Welcome back to the Adult Study Guide podcast from Bogard Press. We're glad you've joined us as we look at the winner of 2021-2022 Adult Study Guide, The Gospel of Grace. As Brother Mark Clements walks us through the Book of Romans, we will see a beautiful picture of God's love for all people and His desire for them to know Him as Lord and Savior. Each week, Brother Mark will walk us through this story as we look at God's grace for us and others. Take it away, Brother Mark! Today's lesson is the Gospel of Grace and Christian Liberty. Romans 14, 1 through 15, 13. Seeking the Context My wife and I had been married for three years before God blessed us with our first child. During those first three years, we were pretty carefree. We had the freedom to stay up late and the ability to sleep through the night. When our first child came into our home, everything changed. We became cautious about keeping our home safe for the growing babies that would come through it. With children in the home, we had to adjust our schedules and accommodate our preferences to allow for their health and growth. This is life with children, but it also describes life in a church. Paul addressed the theological realities of the gospel and taught how they should be applied in the public square. In Romans 14, he began explaining how Christians could get along with each other in biblical community. Like growing families, churches should always have new Christians coming into the body. These new Christians need a safe environment where they can grow in their faith. Like newborn babies in a family, the mature members should accommodate their preferences to make sure the new Christians can grow healthy. While mature believers may be confident in their abilities to thrive in the freedom of the gospel, new believers may lack that confidence. The dispute faced by the Roman Christians is not specifically explained. From the context, we may infer that it had something to do with legalistic restrictions. It seems clear that some in the church felt convicted about following Jewish laws when it came to food, drink, or observance of days. Others in the church did not hold the same convictions. Modern-day Christians may not wrestle with similar issues, but churches are filled with people who hold differing opinions regarding what is best for growing in the faith. Paul knew Jesus fulfilled the law, and therefore one day was not more holy than the next, nor was a certain food more acceptable than another. But Paul taught that even though a Christian might be free to hold a certain view and not violate God's will or his conscience— The goal should be to make sure everyone grows in faith. If that is the goal, personal preferences should be sidelined for the overall benefit of unity in the body. Today's text tells us how to strengthen the faith of weaker brothers. Why is it so important to have unity in a congregation with people who may have different customs? Searching the text. Number one, foster a hospitable environment. Romans 14, 1-4 Him that is weak in the faith receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. For one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not, and let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth, for God hath received him. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. Parents who are expecting their first baby go through months of preparation. They begin accumulating necessities such as cribs, clothes, and diapers. 
They might rearrange the house a little. When the baby comes, they will pay close attention to every little whimper. When the baby wakes up at 2 o'clock a.m. crying, the parents will do their best to figure out exactly what the baby needs. They will not argue with the baby, but will do whatever helps the baby sleep, eat, and grow. Paul began Romans 14 with a command that believers welcomed those who are weak in the faith. Like parents who work hard and make great sacrifices to prepare for the arrival of a newborn, mature Christians in a church bear the burden of hospitality when it comes to welcoming new believers into the fold. This portion of the text teaches the reader exactly how to maintain a hospitable environment within a local church. First, a wise church member will understand that his church will have members with differing opinions regarding trivial matters. Of course, it is a test of fellowship if a member does not endorse the doctrinal statement that includes major doctrines such as salvation by grace through faith, the virgin birth of Christ, or the bodily return of Jesus. But there is plenty of room for smaller areas of individual discernment such as what a person should eat or drink. A wise Christian will welcome members who have diverse opinions regarding trivial matters. Second, mature members in the church should resist the urge to look down on those with weaker faith. While it should be stated that mature members, especially teachers, should instruct those who are new to the faith in areas of Christian freedom bought by Christ, nevertheless, the burden of fostering a welcoming environment conducive to the growth of new believers rests on mature members. This understanding and patience should be mutual. Lastly, in matters of personal conviction, we should recognize that God honors individual convictions as they give way to mature faith. Our Heavenly Father understands the personal growth of new believers and guides them into full maturity. We should accommodate a nurturing environment so believers in varying degrees of spiritual maturity can grow in their faith. How can you help your church remain a hospitable environment? Number two. Celebrate all God-honoring activity. Romans 14, 5-9 One man esteemeth one day above another, another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord, and he that regardeth not the day to the Lord he doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God thanks. And he that eateth not, to the Lord he eateth not, and giveth God thanks. For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live therefore or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord both of the dead and living. One of the most beautiful aspects of a church is that it can be full of members who are very different, yet still thrive in unity. A church might have members from different countries who speak different languages or who grew up in a variety of different settings. Even members who grew up in the same town might have completely different upbringings. The beauty of a church, though, is that despite the many things that make members different, there is unity in one area that matters most, namely, faith in Jesus Christ. As long as Christ is the center of fellowship, a church's diverse membership will be able to unite for the sake of the gospel and enjoy harmony in the body. 
Just like a potluck fellowship in which every person brings a different favorite dish for all to enjoy, each member brings his or her own unique perspective and gift to make the body complete. Minor differences of opinion or conviction should not be the cause for disruption in the body. Paul noted that there were presumably some members in the church who thought the Sabbath should still be honored, while others believed each day was equally important. Both groups were equally convinced they were honoring the Lord the best way they knew how. Paul gave permission to the church to create space for both groups of people, since they were both committing their lives in honoring Christ. Instead of seeing these differences as opportunities to create division, Paul reminded the readers that we all belong to the Lord. When a person commits his activity to the Lord, it should be welcomed as long as it does not violate the word of God. Christ is supreme in the body, and as Lord, we belong to him. Your church will have members on varying levels of Christian growth. Additionally, each member will bring his own context, culture, or customs. As long as Christ is honored and everyone is committed to following him, there should be space in your church to celebrate what each person does to honor him. Growth in the faith will happen among those less mature members, but it may not happen quickly. While there should be unity in the gospel within your church, there will likely never be uniformity when it comes to Christian maturity, gifts among members, individual convictions, or personal contexts. But when Christ is honored, every activity should be celebrated, no matter how great or small. How can you celebrate fellow members' commitments to Christ? Number three, concentrate on personal holiness. Romans 14, 10 through 13. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set at naught thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. As it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Let us not therefore judge one another any more, but judge this, rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. He opened his eyes during the prayer. This accusation has been heard often as the family wraps up prayer time before a meal. Of course, the immediate response of the accused is, Well, how did you know? You opened your eyes too. Children often look for every chance to catch a sibling misbehaving, but they are so focused on finding faults in others, they do not acknowledge their own transgressions. Paul recognized this tendency among God's children. He asked his readers why they were so intent on judging each other. While church members should hold each other accountable with spiritual discernment, Paul implied that their discernment crossed the line into graceless fault-finding. Paul quoted Isaiah's prophecy that every knee would bow and every tongue would confess to God, Isaiah 45:23, reminding the reader that each child of God would stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Paul moved from the corporate to the individual when it came to giving an account to God. God expects church members to unite in their mission of making disciples of Jesus. When it comes to personal devotion and spiritual growth, each person is responsible for his own development. We will individually stand before Christ to give an account of what we did with the precious salvation freely given to us. 
the implication here is that you will have little time to find fault with your brother if you are too busy concentrating on your own holiness before God. Sadly, Paul knew Christians in Rome were going beyond accountability and actually despising those weaker brothers. Walking faithfully with Jesus is challenging enough without brothers and sisters seeking every opportunity to ridicule. Treating fellow church members with contempt or condescension can destroy them. The answer to this problem rests firmly on the shoulders of those more mature members in the body. Paul ordered them to stop fault-finding and determine never to put a stumbling block in the spiritual path of fellow members. Instead of treating weaker members with contempt, they should treat them with love that helps their faith to grow. Later, Paul wrote that those with stronger faith have an obligation to bear with the failings of those with weaker faith. Like Christ, mature members should set aside their personal preferences and serve others instead of pleasing themselves. Romans 15, 1-13 Our personal holiness is affected and revealed in the way that we treat fellow church members. If our church involvement becomes more about satisfying our personal preferences than promoting spiritual maturity for others, we have missed the mark. We will stand before Christ one day and give an account of all we have done. May we be able to say we never caused a weaker member to stumble, but helped him grow in his faith. How can you stay better focused on your own growth in holiness? Setting the Application We live in an era of cancel culture. Intolerance has infected our society. The next time we are tempted to cancel a fellow Christian, we should remember that Christ did not cancel us. Our churches should be safe places for growth in holiness, no matter how young or old a person's faith may be. Churches must be havens for spiritual liberty to be expressed. This happens when we do our best to foster hospitable environments, celebrate all God-honoring activity, and concentrate on personal holiness. Our churches might be made up of members who are extremely different, but who are united in Jesus Christ. Different people united under the banner of the gospel make for a strong church which is capable of making disciples of all nations. Instead of constantly finding fault in our fellow believers, let us love them enough to serve them. May we never cause them to stumble in their faith. May our churches become kingdom outposts for spiritual freedom in the gospel of Jesus Christ where Christians can grow in holiness. What can you do to strengthen the faith of your fellow Christians? Thanks, Brother Mark, for sharing such great truth with us this week. Join us next week as we take another look at God's Word with Brother Mark. Don't forget to join us daily on our Through the Bible Daily Devotionals on our daily devotional blog at www.bogardpress.org. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.